Dominique Postel is a filmmaker of all sorts. His work ranges from short films all the way to music videos. He started doing this because he grew up watching movies and really enjoyed them. He believes the idea of these things are almost forever. He believes you get to imprint a legacy just like having children. It's at least the reason he started doing it when he got older. He's from Houston, Texas and has been here for his entire life. The current projects that he's working on currently is a horror short, an epic fighting short, and a few music videos with artists that he believes in. Now let's get this party started. Hey man, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show, man. I'm glad to have you back on here. You know, because we had uh, technical issues. So for the audience that's just now listening, you're listening to the second take because we were having connection issues. But hopefully this time around, it'll cooperate. Can you hear yeah, me up there? Definitely. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, we, we're, we're on. I was just letting you go ahead and introduce to the crowd and, you know, do your thing. So. All right, man. So, um you know, it's just like, you know, one thing that I know about creators is that a lot of the times they can be super duper passive in terms of going after what it is that they truly want because they're waiting to, you know, have that perfect idea and have that, you know, perfect vision. But perfection is the enemy of greatness. Right. Correct. Uh, I, I 100% uh, believe that uh, more now than ever. Um, at first, when I first started, I, I, I think I was competing a lot against other filmmakers. So you wanted to kind of have that perfect film. You kind of wanted to have that, okay, out of everybody in this classroom, mine was the closest to a put together film, you know, with the group I had, you know. So you kind of, we're, we're, we're putting a lot of weird predicaments as filmmakers, especially. Um, when we do it at school because we're competing against people instead of joining forces with these people when you get out of school and actually creating a dope project. But what actually happens is you're competing against people and then you get out of school and you realize you're competing against everybody. And a lot of these people <laughs> will have, yeah. And a lot of these people are like, you know, 50,000 steps ahead of you as far as money, maybe being in LA already, um, already being on the film set, uh, maybe they studied abroad somewhere, you know, like all of these things, you know, you got to take into account. Um, but when you're in school and you're just in your vicinity, you know, of everybody, you just think you're just like, you're like, Oh, this is life. You know, just kind of like when high school is done, you realize what real life is, you know, like outside of high school, it's not, you know, unicorns and rainbows. So um, it is like that, man. And, and I think, you know, I agree with you on the creative process. Like there's so many things that, uh, we as creatives don't get to create because of the stronghold we have towards perfection. Um, and I think a big thing that we need to start doing is, you know, and it's hard to hear that too, you know, like tells, people tell you like, go create films, go do stuff. I mean, it sounds pretty easy, um, but it's really not. But I think the problem that I think even me running into is when you know how to do a film properly, or you know, what's kind of lame and what's, good like to you like there's a standard on what's dope regardless yeah. of regardless if it's an artistry you know um you know what a good painting looks like you know what i mean you know what a we know what a good looking girl looks like regardless of skin color or anything like that we still know there's still a standard on oh that's an attractive woman you know uh there's a standard on you know movies you know like every most people know what a good movie is you know everybody has their favorite directors and you know a lot of that stuff is like opinionated but we know what something good is so when people give me that bullshit about uh when they give me that bull about oh it's it's art form so this could be a masterpiece like mm, you know if you put out a masterpiece or not and i think that's probably not it chief so let's <laughs> stop playing, you know what I mean? Like that's, Damn. you know, but I'm just, I'm just saying like, you know, like I hate that we go through this idea and it's only, the only people who go through this idea is, is young filmmakers, people who are creating stuff. We give, we give ourselves excuses for uh, making not good work. And I think 
The problem is instead of making excuses why you're not making good work, continue to grow from that bad work. But instead, we continue to make excuses for the bad work and never grow. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of people, not just in the film industry, but, you know, it's just like they have big egos and right. you tell them, like, look, you know, it's not as good as you think it is. Not to try to tear them down because I know they poured their heart and soul into it. But the audience doesn't give a damn about how many hours <laughs> you spent on it. They just want to be entertained. They just want right. to be moved. And if your project is not moving them, then, you know, you got to step up your game. You know, that's all there is to it. Yeah. Start from scratch. Go, go. I think, you know, that and, and putting out ideas. If you think it's stupid, it's okay. Put out something stupid. Like, it's okay. Like, if it might not be stupid, there's somebody in this world that probably thinks it's hilarious. You know what I mean? I'm sure when um, Superbad, you know, uh, was on paper, I don't think everybody thought it was genius. Like, I'm sure they were like, this is retarded. You know what I mean? And I'm Seth Rogen probably produced a lot of it. You know, like a lot of his films, because on paper, eh, you know, but then you watch these films and they're genius, they're comedic genius stuff, you know, like these are hilarious. So I think that's what I say is, you know, I'll give you a perfect example. Now, I just literally watched us, you know, and I'm not going to even give away <laughs> anything about us, but I will tell you my personal opinion, which might get a. I have to be careful about how I say things about Jordan Peele, because in my opinion, I think he's great. I think he's genius. And I think he's a good representation of a uh, black director other than Spike Lee, because we don't have a lot uh, besides him and like Ryan Coogler and, you know, guys like that. So I try to, you know, keep my words for someone like that who's leading the charge, at least for right now, that, you know, he's doing good work. He's putting things together. But there's also uh some things that I noticed about Jordan Peele's movies that are, you know, kind of cheesy. And also I think it's not even a criticism. It's he's really taunting us. And I don't think we understand as filmmakers that he is or audiences that he is. He's basically saying I could put anything on TV and make it look good. You know, I yeah, can put whatever I he, want. Um, I've never like seen his comedy work, but I guess in the cheesiness might come from the fact that he's a comedian. You right. Know? Right. And it, it makes I think he's very, very good at making things make sense. And I think he's understood and or understands how to make something look good. And I think where we're misinterpreting that is um, as filmmakers, sometimes we're thinking, oh, we have to create this beautiful, awesome story and then make it look good as we try to. And, you know, like I think what we're missing as filmmakers is the basics like dude if you have yeah. good sound if you got good sound that's one that's one of the top things and yeah, you have definitely and you have and you know how to make it look good you have your camera shots and it's edited well the rest of the stuff we can work with you know what i mean as filmmakers we can work with an okay story we can work with and acting but what we can't work with is shitty sound and terrible and looks bad, and i think you know and shots that are out of focus i don't mean to right. disrupt you but no. you know I've noticed in some people's work, some of their shots are out of focus and the sound mm -hmm. is horrendous. And right. I have to say, like, audio is important, if not more important than your shots, because right. you have to, like, really, really, you can have, like, you know, okay looking shots, but if your sound is so superb, your audience is going to excuse that. But if you have great shots, but your sound is shitty like your mic is cutting in and out and it's making this fuzzy noise and you got a whole lot of background noise and like the audio is distorted the audience is just going to turn that shit off and say I'm not watching this no more right right and that's and that's um that's you know what I'm trying to get I think maybe I'm talking specifically about one person I know but I, <laughs> I want other filmmakers to understand this too uh, I, I want we're hitting some good points and I think because I've come to the enlightenment of it and I don't even think I want to call it an enlightenment I think I've always thought this way but I think right now uh, I'm trying to get the right people around me so I want people to understand I think we just gotta yeah like this, this it's okay to not have a very fully developed the time that they have in Hollywood to create something like that if you told me I had a year to create a script 
I think, and I'm getting paid for it, or I'm able to write it, well, then, of course, it's going to be a well-developed story. The character is going to be developed. Everything's going to be fine. But I'm trying to create, like, I would, you know, one thing I do have a talent for from what I did learn very well in school is to create projects within a week or two. Um, so I create a lot of short films and stuff like that within a week or two or, you know, and it doesn't mean I don't know how to create a long developed story film. Uh, it's just, I think you can learn a lot more from doing short films in a small period of time and making them like look well, you know, like you, you can make them look well. It's, you know, and I also am big on short films because I'm at the point now where I understand everybody who watches my films have a, a short attention span. So we gotta get straight to the fucking point. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, so so people are yeah. So people would try to come at me with that. Oh, let's develop a story, and that's like, look, people don't really care, especially. And I'm telling you this from you know, guy to guy. You know, just people don't care if it doesn't, if it's not already, if it's amateur, that's the first thing people automatically cut off their eyes and ears to. Like it's not done by a filmmaker that they know. So that's the first problem their attention towards it is already cut off to an extent. Like they're watching it, but they're like, dude, I got about two or three minutes in me before I turn this shit off and go watch something on Netflix. Yeah. You know? So, so when that, when you have you, if you're thinking in that sort already, you cannot come half stepping and you cannot create a film with a lot of dialogue when you are not sure if you have great actors. So that's, that's just assume if you're a short filmmaker that you do not have top talent uh, actors which is the majority of them. So that being said, you have to cut off as much as possible from an okay actor. You need to cut off that, that long conversation dialogue. Like, I don't need to take 50 retakes. Like, I need you to have, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just a lot that goes into that. And I think to top all that off, you bring in the aspect of the short attention span, the quality might not, because I do agree that everybody does not have an eye to make a film look good. Nobody, everybody doesn't have great editors. Everybody doesn't have good color correctors. Yeah. So those are a, a lot of short filmmakers as well. So now you, that's three things that I just named that most short filmmakers don't even understand to have. And they want to come out and develop a story for what you can't even, you don't even know how to do none of these things to keep people's attention. Yeah, you don't even know it does, the it technical does. aspects. Well, you don't know how to operate a camera, the basics of exposure, the basics of like right. depth of field, right. composition, lighting, right. color. Right. But you're trying to develop a story. Like, you know, you're trying to give them 15, 20 minutes. They're not even going to make it to the 20 minutes you want them to make it in. Yeah. Like, you're, you're not, you, you know, like, you're, 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 you're I want to say you're selling yourself short or you're, you're, you're putting yourself in a position that um, I'd rather this, and this is maybe my aspect of how I, I'd rather somebody watch five minutes of one of my short films and be like, where's the rest? I want more than watch 10 minutes and never want to watch it again. <laughs> Bro, and I like I gotta tell you from experience, like I actually worked on a film like that was twenty six minutes long, and then I looked at my analytics on YouTube. Some people dropped off at like the three and the five minute mark, and I'm like, hmm, interesting because you know, you know, and a lot of people, you know, keep asking for feedback. Give me feedback on my film. Give me feedback on my film. Well, if you look on YouTube at the analytics, they'll tell you everything you need to know, and and this is and this is on YouTube, which is the, which people go on to watch long videos. This isn't Facebook. This isn't Twitter. People go on YouTube to watch longer videos. It's proven. You look at the you know look at the statistics. So, to add to what you're saying, like if people cannot watch five more than five minutes of your shit, you need to shorten it up and make it really hit hard. You know? Yeah, you know, and that's that's something that I'm working on fine-tuning right now because after you know making that longer short film I've just learned a lot of key lessons in that film and you know my partner was just giving me ideas like after she you know watched you know the entire film in its entirety because she saw like pieces that I was doing after I was editing it that you know I can shorten some stuff and get straight to the point instead of just having all of these like 
filler scenes to where people are just like, okay, I'm going to just click off of this. Like, and as harsh as, you know, that sounds, you know, we need that feedback for real, for real. Right. Because it makes, forces yeah. us to get better and to step up our game. Right. Yeah. We're just sensitive, man. Uh, I think as, as artists, we're just sensitive about our work because we put in effort and for somebody who never even put in the effort you put in for the project to say something about it, it hits us a little differently. It's kind of like if you've never, just like those people that are athletes and they're playing sports for uh, years and they're in the gym working hours and people that sit behind a desk and criticize them, you know, that, that hurts. Cause you're like, dude, I've been working at this for a long time and you're just sitting behind a desk telling me what I'm doing wrong but you have to be able to take that criticism like that. It's just so weird. It's a weird, weird position to be in. And, um, you know, I think sometimes I say the word people a lot because uh, I, I, I feel like I, I live in a field where I, like, care about what people think. Like, in film, you kind of have to care about what people think. But you also gain a lot of strength by understanding how people think. And I, I don't know if maybe that's a little you know, crazy to think like that, but, you know, just like you understand not to do certain things because you know what people would say about this, but that also gives you strength to do better things and exceed the way people have put things on you. You know, it's weird, man. It's weird. It's weird. Well, for me, you know, I've just been learning to, you know, especially from my partner because she is a life coach, you know, and a regular healing coach, you know, she's, into that and I'm starting to get into that as well you know and starting to like you know understand myself more in my own self-sabotaging tendencies and getting over my blockages and like I was saying you know I just had to get over that huge block of constantly needing approval for for from people and you know right. it's it's not uncommon to see people get into the entertainment business in general because you know, they want to become famous and they, you know, have the opportunity to get all this attention. And especially when you combine that with social media, that's one hell of a drug, dude. And it can, and if you haven't learned to master yourself and if you haven't learned to like, you know, you know, just like take people in and consider their opinions and at the same time, not care what they think about you, then you're going to be swallowed up whole. Right, right. And I think that's what they didn't tell, you know, just like you said, you know, social media could be a drug. I think that's where they don't tell you on the warnings of taking that pill, you know, for social media. If you don't have your stuff together. No, you know, I'm serious. Like, you know, if you don't have your stuff together and you don't know yourself well or you don't know how to not worry and care about what people think about you, you know, that could be an addiction that you really don't even understand you have. And by the time you find out it's too late, you've already pushed away all the people that care about you. Because I say, stop worrying about what people say on social media and actually worry about what people say that are right next to you. Because that time you're spending giving those people that don't care on social media, you could be giving it to the people that's right around you. you yeah. know? So, and I, I don't know, man, like social media is just really, it's a whole nother beast. And like, for me, I only do it because I know I have to have some type of presence in my film, but I also have the idea of if I make it to where I need to make it, they'll come to me uh, on social media wise. Um, Like I'll get followers and stuff. Once I've made a nice film, Um, there's still a lot of filmmakers that don't even have social media, you know? So it's, it's not a, I'm not in a field where it kind of matters as much. I'm not a music artist. You know what I mean? I don't make music. So I don't really have to have a, a following of people yet you know i think people will follow your stuff once more people get an eye to it and get to see it um but you know that's just my opinion it's not always right um it's just what i've observed i you know from my podcast that i tell you uh all the time i only speak on what what's happened to me and what i've observed that doesn't always mean i'm right you know yeah and you know just with me and social media like man you know i was an addict dude like i i didn't want to admit that to myself but me being a younger millennial you know i was just hooked to it because i was just posting about pretty much on the clock every single day every time i get an idea i would just post something i would feel this compulsive need to share my thoughts with the world and just do that over and over and over and over again 
And it wasn't until my girl stepped in and she showed me, you know, from the outside looking in, like, dude, you got an addiction. Like, you got to lay off this stuff, you know. You got to lay off mm -hmm. just going live every freaking day, you know, because mm -hmm. without me even knowing it, I was still approval-seeking somewhat, you know, feeling like, you know, I need to be different for the sake of being different just so I can hook people's attention and using what I learned from journalism, you know, and one of the things I learned from journalism is like, you know, the more odd or controversial it is, the more attention that you get. And because I didn't heal from like that core wound from childhood of, you know, being abandoned emotionally, because social media was like crack cocaine for me. And the more I got of it, the more energized I felt when I got like likes and hearts and shares and comments and all this other stuff. Like, right. man, I'm, I'm just like diving deep about, you know, me being a social media addict and I'm saying that I'm still recovering. Right. And I, I, I understand that uh, fully. I wish more people would come to that realization because, you know, that's a story that you can really help people with. You know, for me, I, um, I, I don't know. I always felt like I didn't really fit into to a lot of trends uh, that were going on or a lot of things. So, like, for me to do that, it just never felt like me. So, like, social media was actually something I took a, a opposite from than most people. Like, social media didn't really, like, it didn't really thrive for me because it never, you know, never was a big point. I never could catch on to anything fast enough to, to get a grip and feel like I was a part of it. And uh, so, like, that's kind of how my social aspect was, too, you know, in life. Like, like I was different. But I, uh, once I came to the realization that me being different isn't a problem, I think that's when, you know, everything took off and I just stopped really caring about it. Um, but that's not everybody's story, you know. So, like, I wish, you know, I could get more people to understand that y'all all going to be different and, you know, don't worry about following, you know, that trend or that thing that's cool. You know, like if you want to like, th and this is not to say that, you know, I was never a part of any of these things. Like, you know, those dances mm -hmm. and different stuff that come out and stuff like, yeah, bro, yeah like, like the I, main name, not, the whip and all that. Yeah, like I'm not fucking 85. Like I, you know what I'm saying? Like I understand <laughs> these things are cool. Like, like, I get it. Like, I'm a part of it, but it just never really, like, it didn't really, like, rub me the right way um, just get when it first started, you know? Like, with, like MySpace never really was a big go-to for me. I wasn't on there, like, when everybody, like, I was on there, but I wasn't getting the type of love everybody was getting then, you know? Facebook was, like, for college people when it first came out, um, so I wasn't in college yet. Then, you know, they had Twitter and then, I, you know, I was on Twitter, but I wasn't really getting a, a lot of followers. I didn't know how to follow trends and get followers. Then, um, Facebook started getting a little live again. So then that's kind of when I kind of got on Facebook and had a nice following from high school. Then, you know, Instagram came out and, you know, Instagram was Snapchat <laughs> before, you know, so Instagram was Snapchat before Snapchat, because what you would do is you couldn't post videos, but you could post uh pictures yeah i remember so you that. would always I remember take instagram so like so we used to all post pictures you know what i'm saying of what we were doing at the time like on snapchat like you post a picture of something you're doing like heading out with the boys or you know doing this or doing that. you know what i mean like that was that was snapchat basically but it wasn't snapchat yet you know yeah man and definitely i remember i got an insta i got a facebook in the fifth grade and i got an instagram in the eighth grade and I got a Snapchat in the ninth grade. So it was like, you know, I made this post one time that said, you know, social media hit the streets harder than crack in the 80s. And that's true because, like, you got these different options. Like, you have Pinterest, you have Tumblr, you got Facebook, the OG, you know, MySpace. I don't know who the hell still uses MySpace anymore, but it's still there. You got Twitter, you got <laughs> Instagram. You got all these different drugs, you know, to take and to indulge in. And you look outside and you see most people are scrolling on their phones aimlessly on social media, just liking everyone's pictures and videos and doing all of this stuff. And I'm not saying that I don't do that because I, you know, still have a tendency to do that myself. And but, um, you know, social media, you know, although it's a wonderful tool, it can also lead to a creative's detriment. And that's where, you know, what I want to speak on now is about wanting praise and validation, like. 
you know, like you said, you know, us as artists, we're sensitive people and we want people to acknowledge us for our work. But if you haven't healed mm. those core issues and those wounds, then any type of criticism that you get is going to sting harder than normal. Whereas a person mm. who has healed from those issues, you know, like any type of creative would understand like, okay, you know, it's nothing personal. They're just stating like, you know, their own opinion. And if they say something valid, like my shots are out of focus or the editing is not that good or the sound is off, then I need to fix that instead of just getting in their egos and saying, no, that part, you know, like, um, num- yeah, straight, num- I'm ready num- to defend. Num Num 69 said that, you know, you're full of shit and all of that. Like, no, 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 no. Like, just take a step back, you know, check yourself where you wreck yourself, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, and see, like, it's weird for me because, like, social media might also, and I don't know if you think about this uh, logically, but, you know, social media also is covering up a lot of social aspects people have with themselves. And when I say that, um, you know, like a lot of times people get on social media because they can't communicate with somebody in person. Yeah. They don't know how. You know what I mean? Like you've ever been to a party, a lot of people are on their phones because they don't know how to start a conversation with anybody because they have social anxiety or they don't know how to be social and everything has been behind a laptop or a computer or a phone. So, you know, and even for me, I'm pretty social, but uh, when it gets really awkward and I don't feel like I'm, I get a little uncomfortable, I'll just pull out my phone and scroll through some some bullshit. Because <laughs> in, in, you know, and to be honest, uh, I, it's a terrible habit of mine, you know, just like uh, some people use uh, drinking that way. You know, some people can't go out in public as like event or the club or anything like that without having a drink because they don't feel comfortable around people you know they get frustrated really easily or they don't know how to talk to people as well or you know just like little things like that and I think these are issues that if people kind of find within themselves they can at least start to work on I'm not saying that would be fixed but uh, I think when just kind of like how they tell you to find out, you know, which, you know, when you have an addiction, you know, the first step is, you know, understanding that you have one, you know, that is what social media needs too. like, you have to understand, like, you got an issue and this thing needs to be worked on. Um, because if not, you're never going to have a social aspect and your kids going to go down the line for your kids and your family. And, you know, you don't want that. And I don't exactly. I want people to be able to interact with each other a lot better. I don't think we internet interact with each other well enough nowadays. I think we oh. just kinda You said what? I said, nah, man, like definitely I agree with you, you know, wholeheartedly, you know. And I even observe on campus, you know, just seeing people walk down the sidewalk. So like even though I would have my music playing. I would make sure to have my phone in my pocket so I can at least pay attention to where I'm walking and where I'm going. And, you know, most of the college kids you see are deep in their phones. Like, I just walked past somebody the other day that I don't really talk to, but I kept seeing him around campus. I just walked right past him and I just looked at him, but he didn't notice that I was looking at him because, you know, he was scrolling deep on that phone. Like, you just stand right like a deer in the headlights and that's why i said it 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 makes people comfortable like it takes away from the uncomfortability of being on campus in front of a lot of people and everybody's looking at you you know everybody doesn't know how to perform when it's time to perform you know what i mean like uh you know for like you know in acting seeing somebody can say action and some people don't know how to be themselves anymore you know some people crush they'll just be like all awkward you know and i'm leaving learning that about acting like how to just act like myself and do a film you know like when somebody says action just being able to go in there and not even worry about saying my lines but saying my lines as me you know instead of saying my lines as a character because if for me it doesn't work that way like if i say my lines as a character it always comes out weird but if i say my lines as me then it comes out as the character yeah, and that's the same thing with me, you know, I'm more of an improvisational actor, not to say that I can't memorize my lines, but, you know, most of the time that feels forced because the real, if the real me wouldn't say it, then it's going to sound awkward coming from me and the performance wouldn't be genuine. Right. Well, a lot of writing that's going on right now, I guess what we're dealing with as far as projects are not really well written or not well written, but they're not written for 
what we would say. So uh, a lot of times we are having to improv these things because, I mean, dude, it's just not, we're not, we wouldn't say that. So we're just going to say this and get our point across, like, you know, just move forward with your film. And that's why, I guess, to be honest, that's kind of what I was stating about earlier as far as dialogue. Like me right now, I just don't feel like I'm a dialogue driven uh, director right now. I don't think I have good enough writers around me to do a lot of dialogue driven stories. Um, I think visually is what I can bring a story across. I can show people these things, but I just don't feel like they're just great. I, at least right now, and this is just me personally, like I don't feel like that's probably why I don't have a great understanding of how to edit dialogue as well. Um, sometimes when I'm messing with dialogue and different stuff like that, it's, it, it's so boring to me um, because I'm just like, I don't feel like going back and forth between these guys. And most people who shoot this stuff that I'm editing from are shooting the same medium shots. You know, they're not doing any pan ins, no, no move arounds. They're not doing any tracking shots. They're just fucking back and forth. Hey, Johnny. Hey, Johnny. Hey, Billy. Hey, Billy. Like they're doing <laughs> shit like that, you know? And you're like, Oh, well, the, the, how is dialogue supposed to be interesting like that? You know, um, you know, having our conversation right now, I'm sure people are thinking of ways that the angles in the camera would have done certain things, you know, like we already can imagine that, you know. So like for me, we're dealing with amateur people and I'm not saying we're not amateur, but I, I do feel like, you know, we do have a lot more of an understanding than a lot of other people out there. So we have to stop allowing these people who don't have a well understanding make it in front of us and it's not a competition but uh i damn sure don't want to see another film done by jimmy sue and dude doesn't still know how to make a film well but i got zero dollars for my film and my shit looks like his you know but he got fifty thousand, you know and i got zero dollars and our films look exactly alike like no we can't do that no more we're wasting years of great talent you know and youth you know yeah, exactly, you know, and I am like a dialogue-driven director myself, you know, because, like, when I write my screenplays, I have my characters talking a lot, you know, and I have to right. get better at, you know, telling the story with more visuals and just having, like, two people sitting down and talking and having a conversation. But, you know, that's something that I'm still working on is trying to counterbalance that a bit with having, like, more, like, camera movements in my films and you know utilizing different camera angles to make it more the dial if i'm gonna incorporate more dialogue i have to find a way to make it visually appealing for the audience not just have you know a still shot of somebody saying this and somebody saying that and just going back and forth back and forth because eventually like you know with people nowadays they want to be stimulated they're so used to watching their favorite movies on Netflix that are have these high quality shots and, you know, dialogue that's well written and also, you know, these variety of camera movements and editing techniques, they're gonna kinda hold you to the same standard because if you call yourself a filmmaker, they're gonna assume that, you know, you know how to do all of that stuff. Not to say that right. you have to know how to do that immediately, but you can work your way towards becoming that and not just like being you know not just like making you know stuff just to make stuff you know and this goes for any art in general you know not just filmmaking and acting but also in you know painting and drawing you know yeah you can you know put all the pretty colors in that you want but if it doesn't make the audience feel something then you haven't done your job right and i think I think that's another thing too, man. Like, I, we're being held to that type of standard, and I think we should start holding ourselves to that type of standard. You know, people want quality of that high standard, and we have to keep trying to strive for that when we do our films. Um, and and you said you know your stuff is dialogue driven, and, and what I don't want to make it seem like is I don't like dialogue. I mean, it's impossible to do you know, a lot of films without dialogue. Like, at some point, you have to have it in there. Um, I just want to say that, just like earlier, like, I, I just want to be comfortable with the dialogue enough to feel like it's a point in it being in there. If I don't feel like it should be in there to tell the story, then I'm not putting it in there. And that's what's going on with my my uh, 
my short horror film right now is it has the dialogue in there. Do I feel like it's necessary? A little. Um, do I feel like, well, I'll rephrase that. Do I feel like it's necessary? Not really. Do I feel like it could help? Possibly. Um, will the film go on without it? It could. And that's the problem, you know. Go on without it, then that means it's not really that great, you know. Because, yeah. you know, usually dialogue is, usually dialogue, dialogue is to, you know, drive the story in a sense sometimes. Or at least kill some time. Um, and right now it's just kind of like, yeah, you know, like it's it's there. But then maybe I need to take out a little bit more time because, you know, we're trying to shoot on April 7th. So um, maybe I should take a little bit more time and see maybe how I feel about it. But um, for the most part, I just think, you know, you can create a lot of stories with uh, a small amount of dialogue. And maybe that's what I'm going for. It's, there's still dialogue in there, but I, I don't know, you know. Yeah, and what is, you know, your um, horror film called and what's it about? It is called uh, Dollface, actually. Um, and, we, you know, I created it with uh, one of my good friends. We just wanted to create another horror icon, you know, and I just felt like this would be kind of a cool uh, thing to try out. Uh, I just felt like there's always all of these icons that um, are trying to be created and not done really well. Um, so I was just like, well, let's just try to create a short. And if people like it a lot, then, you know, maybe we can continue going with it, maybe, maybe with episodes or something like that. So, uh, it's just about a guy who's, you know, just kicking back in his house, you know, and there's somebody in there, you know, that's the simplest type of horror is you coming home after a long day at work and somebody being in your house. But the problem with that is that she's, you know, Facebook, you know, so I wanted to use the social media aspect, and she's like kind of flirting with him and talking to him, but she keeps giving him hints like he's in, like she's in the house. So it starts to get really weird, you know, and you know that goes on for a long time, and you know the story develops that way. So that's just kind of what it's about. It's very simple, um, just but done well. It, it could be something great, you know. Mm-hmm. And also, like, um, I also want to ask you, like, what was the hardest project that you've ever worked on at this point? Hardest project. That is a very good question. Uh, man, that is uh, just period. Any film work I've ever done. Um, hardest. I would say... Hmm. I would say the <laughs> hardest. I don't know, man, because there hasn't really been just like a. Uh, this maybe I sound like an ass, but there just hasn't been anything that's been like, oh my gosh, challenging. It's all been just kind of like, this was hard, but you know, this is what we do. You know, it's never been like a. I would say the most challenging. I guess the most challenging would be this music video I did. Uh, with like four artists in the music video. They all had each had a verse and I had to create a theme for each of their verses and we had to shoot at different locations for each of their verses. Then I had to get them all together. It was like an all day shoot. And then I had to edit for hours, Ooh. put all these crazy effects on it. Um, you know, I did all these special, I wouldn't even say special effects because they didn't about the theme of the, the, well, you know, not only that, I helped develop this as well. So I got all these guys together in the studio. It's pretty hard to do after uh, a late night. And I told them, hey, I should create this type of sound. And they were like, oh, that doesn't sound bad at all. And then another dude was like, well, I got the beat. And he's like, well, I'm a producer and I'm a rapper here and I'm a rapper there. So I was like, what? Y'all create a verse and then you do this verse like this. But everybody on their second part of this verse do it like this. And they were like, oh, that sounds dope. You know, so like that was the beginning of it. Then, you know, a week later, you know, they're like, probably do a video. So, then we, you know, I got them all together and we, we tried to find locations on the spot and shoot a video, got those guys together, got stuff together. And um, I edited it and, you know, it went from there. So it was kind of difficult being able to put all those artists together on time and get them to shoot a video and then add effects after because they didn't think of any special effects before 
so a lot of my shooting was improv. You know, I would use my zoom lens back and forth sometimes, and I would go with my 30 millimeter signal lens, and I would just kind of just go to town, you know, and just try new stuff out. And it was kind of like, it was fun, though. You know, it was fun, but it sucked at the same time. <laughs> man, you know, I know exactly the feeling, man, you know, because, like, especially, like, when you're, Especially, like, you know, I did this 48-hour, like, film competition back when I was going at Lamar University. And it was, like, you know, we spun this wheel to get these categories, the different film categories, and ours landed on the film noir category. And But everybody got the same long log line as, you know, that says Sam, you know, obsesses over something that pushes him over the line or something like that. And that's all we had to go off of. And we had to create a four, you know, we had to create like a four minute short film in 48 hours from that log line. And, you know, basically that night, you know, me and the homie went home, not home, but to my dorm room at eight o'clock. And we were just sitting there thinking of ideas like, okay, what can what script can we write from this? Because we have to immediately start shooting tomorrow, then edit on Sunday. And so we were just sitting there and we was in, you know, we was looking at film noir films just to get some inspiration, like some film noir shorts on YouTube, you know, and he even looked up a tutorial video on how to do film noir. And, you know, I was we were just sitting there and I was like, hey, how about we create a romance film from this? Like make it like a dark romance story. He was like, all right, all right, cool. And then we was working on the script until 2 a.m. Eight, from 8 p.m. to 2 a.m., we was trying to get a story idea and we was working on the script and we was like editing it. Right. And then after that, you know, we woke up at like 8 o'clock in the morning and then we went to go get something to eat and then we went to go location scout in that same day because we knew we were going to shoot. And so we started shooting at around 11 a.m. and then we finished filming around 9 p.m. So we was pretty much filming all day, dude. And then on Sunday, you know, we were editing for like a total of six to eight hours. So it was grueling, dude. That was one of the most... Like, second to The Dangerous Woman, you know, that was, like, fun, yet it was grooming at the same time because we had a short amount of time to, like, submit it. Right. Right. And that's that's crazy because um, one of my first decent films was in New Orleans. And um, we, had to do, uh, we had to do one for class. And that was the first film that I uh, got to put together. Um, I had a script that um, I finished a long time ago and we needed a script. And I was like, well, I got this one script about this guy that goes in a bar, meets this girl, uh, meets this girl. But the girl ends up being his boss's wife. And uh, she sets him up to go get a a briefcase for her that has a lot of information about her brother's case that's in jail. And he ends up going to try to get it from his boss and he gets caught. And then that's where the film starts pretty much, you know. Uh, well, that's not where it starts, but I, I think it's on my YouTube. Um, and it could have been done better. I still, actually, till this day, people can't do that film or shoot it again or add a part two. And I just kind of like, you know, I just try not to dwell on old stuff, you know. But, I, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a film that had so much potential, but it was for a grade and it was for class. So nothing really came much out of it. Um, it got invited to this very small film festival in California that I wasn't able to go to because I was still in school, didn't have any money. Um, so I never really signed up. Uh, I didn't really fill out the rest of my information to do it. You know, they invited me to it. They was like, hey, if you fill out this information, we'll get you tickets and you can come by. And I think briefcase was that good. Um, <laughs> I created it. And then I created another film. After that, you know, it was, it was done in a sci-fi film festival with Sam. Um, that was cool. And then uh, I think there was another film that I created, and they had another film festival that year, and I wasn't able to put uh, it. got denied. So I was pretty upset about that. And I think from that point on, um, I think we, I, I think one of the 
I, I, I'm getting, I'm sorry, but uh, ah. there was something I wanted to say. There was something I did want to say on this podcast that was like a defining moment in my film career. Um, I actually had my film in a sci-fi film festival and there was about 10 films in there, right? And it was uh, yeah. at my school. It was like, it was cool. Um, and mine wasn't done really that well. It was put together in like a day. I had to go shoot everything. It was a group project. My group went and shot it without my permission because I couldn't, oh. I couldn't, I couldn't film shoot, shoot. They only, they all can make it one way and I could only make it this. And it was my script. And I didn't oh, want them yeah. to butcher my script. So, but we needed a grade. So I, I just was like, okay, if you guys have to go shoot it, shoot it, and we'll look over it. So I ended up having another guy edit it uh, that's in the group. He edited it. They went and shot it. He was one of the actors in it. We get in class. And I don't understand how, you don't understand how fucking pissed I was. Uh, it, 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 people were laughing. And I was like, I didn't intend for that script to be laughable. Like, I didn't see anything funny about what I wrote in that script. So oh. that same day, I called up two of my friends that were actors. I sat in my house. I rented the boom mic. I got my camera, and we shot all of those scenes over. And the next day, I edited that full film, and I turned it into class because we had another showing. And I said, don't worry about showing the version that you have done. I'll turn it in this one. We'll see what happens. We put it in. The whole class is silent. They clap at the end of it. And they were like, this is a totally different film than I expected. This was more serious. This had music. This was this. This was that. You know, can you fix some of the acting? Some of this was probably overexposed. Blah, blah, blah. This simple criticism. But the it was done properly. So... The whole group kind of was a little salty. And I was like, well, y'all are fucking lazy. Uh, because the rest of the group didn't do anything either. Like, it was only like one or two people really sticking it out on, on the film. So I ended up <laughs> finishing the project. You know what I'm saying? I ended up finishing the project, going to the film festival. And there were so many under... There were so many black type films up there. This is being shown in the theater, though. Like, you know, we're watching a couple short films, like five-minute films a piece. And all of them were just not that great. There was maybe a handful of them that were cool. And there was this one group in my class that they had like a group of like dream team, like pissed me off. Like for some reason they were able to come together as a group. Like, I don't know if the teacher picked them on purpose or I don't know what happened, but they all got to be in the same group. These are probably like the best people in the class outside of me. So it was a group of four and I was the last guy out because I, I had just changed over to film major, too. So, like, I didn't get picked up like the kid on the basketball court. You know, the last pick, like, that was me because nobody knew me. And they didn't know, you know, if I was good in film or not. So those guys kind of, like, stuck together and picked each other. And I just kind of got the leftovers for my group. But that being said, that's more like an excuse. Uh, those guys ended up winning the contest, the film contest. And getting, like... I, I think I got like fourth place. Oh you know? shit! So damn. Um, and that was because the story was super creative. Like the story was creative as fuck, but uh, visually it wasn't the sound and a couple things were off. You know. Um, that being said, uh, I remember that day looking at everybody holding the trophies and being just so fucking pissed because the feeling of knowing that you know you it's a different feeling when you know you're better than some people you're, you're better than them at this but you know you didn't have a good enough group or effort to put it out you know a good project you know that's kind of like reminds me about what we were talking about earlier you know it doesn't matter how fucking good you are it doesn't matter if you're fucking a great ass editor a great ass director it doesn't matter about any of that if you don't have the right people around you and if you don't put out shit you know what I mean? Like that's that that was that day that really helped me realize that too. You know, because those guys knew each other, so that's something that you have to know in film. You got to meet people and know people to get in uh, different doors. Then they worked as a group. That's something that we, as artists, have a problem doing when we have egos. And three, you got to put something out. They put something out. You know, so that's three things that they did better than what I got to do. 
you know, all I did was got to put something out. I didn't work as a group. I did everything on my own. And I also didn't know the people in my group. I didn't really get, give a damn to get to know those people because all they were doing was just leeching off my script. So it kind of sucked. But that being said, that's a lesson for everybody that I have good reasons why I stuff now, you know? Yeah, exactly, man. And it's just like, you know, that's a hard pill to swallow is that, you know, if you don't act on your ideas, someone else will. Right. You know, and I've never experienced something like that. But, you know, while I was working with the dangerous woman, you know, I just like took some actress off of face that I met off Facebook and try to make her my co-producer. Mind you, I didn't really know much about her. But I don't know when the hell in my in my mind I was thinking it was a good idea to just let some random actress be my co-producer. And, you know, I had one idea for the dangerous woman. And then she had a whole nother idea with the costume design. And I even noticed on set when one day when we was the first day of shooting, you know, she kept trying to suggest all these shots. And I'm just like trying to be as efficient as I can. So we're not there all day. And then the actors were interjecting and I was, you know, it was getting on my nerves, but I was just, for the sake of being professional, I just kind of, I just kept my cool and I just like, okay, you know, just keep going. And, you know, I noticed as time went on, you know, I noticed that she wasn't as devoted as she could have been because like, even though she helped out that one little bit of finding actresses and whatnot, you know, she was mainly, like, wrapped up in her own life, like, going to work and, you know, this and that. You know, she showed through her actions that she was really caring about herself. And so I, I learned to value, I learned many valuable lessons from The Dangerous Woman. You can go ahead and listen to my previous episode when you have the time, if you want to. But, you know, and my other audience members, too, you know, I just learned, you know, from that day. And from other like failed partnerships is to really, really be careful with who you choose to partner up with and who you give your idea to because creative differences are bound to happen. And if there are, if there are creative differences, you know, like in both of our cases, it can cause a lot of conflict. So we really have to be careful and watch who we partner up with. Right. Yeah. I'm with you uh, 100% on that. And I, that's why even right now, I think because I'm searching so hard for that, that um, I'm also not getting things done, you know, because you, you want to you be able to have somebody next to you that you can have that creativity with. But I think you have to actually go through a lot of like that to figure it out. You know, you'll, you'll figure out when you vibe with somebody. Like right now, I feel like I'm forcing a lot of relationships in that field you know, like I'm getting yeah. people to like, cause I'm, I'm getting everybody on these projects. Like everybody's like, Oh, let me get on the project. Let me get on the project. And you're just like, yeah, well, I do need people on the project. And I think sometimes we miss the boat on understanding, like, it's kind of like being, you know, in a relationship with somebody you, you kind of pick as a guy, we kind of pick the girl that gives us le- the least amount of headache and looks the best. And also is just like our, you know, a lot, lot, well, I'm not going to say that, but the least amount of headache is definitely a plus for a woman. So for that, you have to think that way in your films. Like who want, you want people to, you want people to be able to criticize your work and give you a honest input, but you don't want to have a freaking headache every time. You don't want them to always have something to say because nothing gets done that way. If I am constantly criticizing your work, you never get any work out. Like you have to be able to have something on the paper and being like, Hey, what do you think about this? I think this, this, is that. Cool. Second time, what do you think about this? Oh, well, you need to fix this, 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 that, that. Okay, the third time is the last fucking time, and then we got to work. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, after that, we have to... Yeah. And you know, I also... oh, go ahead. Man. Oh, yeah, I don't mean to interrupt you, but, like, you know, I just kept noticing, like, when I worked with this particular, like, filmmaker who, you know, he's a senior in high school now, but I would notice that he would take his sweet time writing the script. And especially especially on shooting days, he would shoot like 20 to 30 takes per shot. And I get it that you want your story to be told, but we ain't got a whole lot of fucking time to waste. We got shit to do. Like, you got to right. move on to the next thing. You got to get something out. It doesn't 
I'm not saying put out shitty work and just rush it, but at the same time, you have to know when to just let bygones be bygones and just move on. Right. Right. And that that's where I'm getting at right now, too, is like, all right, I've adjusted the script. I might, and you know, this might have pushed me towards the idea of uh, wanting to do less dialogue is because I'm like, man, I don't really want to sit on this dialogue. And it was more because we did a, a, a reading like uh, with the actors and I told them to kind of like act out the stuff and, and the vibe wasn't really there. And I, and I was just like, I know this is the first time I know maybe they weren't ready for this, but like at the same time, like the dialogue seemed kind of, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I can't explain it. I just wasn't feeling it. I mean, it wasn't how I imagined it. And I'm kind of like pushing back on it now. So I'm with you, man. Like we, we got to start seeing those signals, man. Like I really do feel like as a filmmaker, you, you got to, if it doesn't feel right or if it feels weird or anything like that, we have to really, um, we have to really take heed of that. You know, I just had a recent situation happen where, you know, I can't speak of any names, but uh, I was working with, this particular group of people that were very um, well known and um, we were working on a deal, you know, and I was like, man, you know, later on in life, I was kind of like, man, I wish that worked out. You know, we kept trying to contact them and we kept going back and forth and, you know, we just hoped it worked out because that would have been our way out, you know, having that kind of money and being able to work on something different and travel and, you know, just different stuff. Right. Yeah. And um, so, what ended up happening just recently is I found out that that particular group had a guy in that group that stole $1.5 million. Oh, you know? shit. Damn. So, oh, or, or maybe not 1.5. It was very, it was like one mil. It was a lot. Um, but that being said, we were involved in negotiations with these people, you know, and so I think what's crazy to me is just kind of how God works, you know, how you dodge bullets. You know, that was probably like dodging a shotgun shell to the face. Yeah. Uh, or a know. sniper bullet. Yeah, that's that's what that was. So, like, for me, I do feel like the vibes felt like that. And I think a lot of times we have to understand that. Like, if those vibes feel off, they're, they're off for a reason. Yeah, you know, maybe you can, you know, maybe it might be weird. Maybe this person's cool, but if the vibes feel off, they're they're off for a reason. This person is the way you might think because you, I mean, you can feel your way through it. Don't I'm not saying first impressions are what you have to go off of, but you know, at some time you have to realize, like, just like I said, I have a few guys that I'm working with right now on films, and like, the vibes is just off, man. Like we're working together. It seems like they're cool, but like, I don't think we'll work together well with the type of filmmaking I do. And that person does, you know? Yeah. You know, and definitely, yeah. you know, some, I got to start doing more of as well to start screening who I'm going to work with deeper than just beyond their professional credits, but also looking at, you know, what is their work ethic? What is their energy? Like what type of people they associate with all of those important little details Take it takes more time, but it definitely does save your ass in the long run. Right, and I, I, I yeah, and it, it does. And like I, I want to work with, and this is maybe me coming as I'm talking to you. I'm coming to the realization that I, I'm maybe not wanting to work with certain people that I'm currently working with right now. <laughs> um, just because the the like my now my casting crew and everything. Like those guys are the crew right now that I'm working with. They're pretty low. They're legit. I've I've worked with all of these people at different times in my life. So it's kind of cool to finally bring those people together and have them work on something. But just uh, different actors and different stuff like that. I'm just trying to um, just trying to figure out a little bit more. Um, and that's a really hard one. But uh, man, we got to definitely get together and, and hop on another podcast too, man. Definitely. Um, most definitely. Just, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I'll, I'll, I don't know when you're free again, but we should definitely do this again. I have a lot more to talk about for sure. Um, I don't know if I have a lot of time right now. I kind of have plans, so got to get out of here pretty soon. All right. So we'll just end it right here, you know, because I feel like, you know, this podcast has gone on for almost an hour, but, um, you know, it's just like what what are the last words that you have to say before we wrap this thing up? 
I will say that for those of you who are listening there, uh, stay positive. I know that's an easy thing to say and hard thing to do, but it's really just a mindset. Stay positive. Uh, give people chances. Believe in people. Um, be decent human beings. I'm not telling you be perfect. Be a decent human being, man. Y'all are, I don't know where it became okay to be terrible yeah. to people <laughs> and actually can and actually care but you need to care for people even if they don't care you're you're you have people have to realize or i wouldn't say people but just you human beings out there whatever you want to say you have to realize you don't control how people treat you but you definitely control how you treat people you don't always get to control how people treat you. Sometimes you do, you know, sometimes you can say, Hey, don't treat me like that. And it might work. But for the most part, sometimes people are just do stuff to you and you don't got no control over it, but you can choose whether you react a certain way towards it. And I think that's where we have to start holding ourselves accountable. Like nobody wants to hold self. Nobody wants to know that they're doing something wrong. So they act like they're not, that whatever they do is, you know, right. And I, I want people to understand just because you've done it, doesn't make it right it just means you've done it before and i think that's where people get confused like oh i've done it so it makes it okay just because you've done heroin doesn't mean it's okay you know what i'm saying yeah. like that, that doesn't exactly. make you know i'm just i'm just using something that everybody understands is bad um <laughs> yeah, exactly. like you know like everybody understands this is bad but you know some people have that weird example where they're like oh i've done this before so it makes it okay no you've just done it you're still wrong just because you've just because somebody's gotten away with murder doesn't make it OK. You know what I mean? Like, that's where we're getting confused and we're mixing those type of morals and ethics together. We're mixing li- We're mixing our own philosophies with rules. And I yeah. think these rules are put here for a reason. And I think that's where we're getting it confused. It's like these rules were here for a reason. I think we should still have these rules. And I think you should abide by them, abide by them at your own you know, detriment or your own way of doing this, but that doesn't mean they're still not there. And I think that's the problem is we try to do whatever we want. Like, oh, what rules? Like, no, they're still there. <laughs> they're still there. <laughs> You've just chosen not to do them, but they're still there. And I think uh, that's really what I want to say to people is, guys, start holding yourself accountable. Be good, good people, man. Be good human beings. Start doing that. I watch the world really change. Most definitely. Most definitely, man. And um, where can people find you um, on social media and what's your website? Uh, Right now, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Postman Legacy Productions, LLC. I know that's really long. Um, And then also my personal page is on Instagram is dpostel21 or no, dpostel official. I'm sorry. Deposto Official is my Instagram page. YouTube, uh, it's just youtube.com at Depostel21. That's pretty much where all my work is. Uh, if you want to see my music videos, some of my shorts, um, some of the small documentaries I've done, maybe some Instagram promos, whatever I've really done some work for Megan. You know, nobody really gives me. I did it. She did a concert and I got to record it. So. Uh, I'll take credit for that any day, regardless of if she gives me credit or if I ever see her again or whatever. Um, And then uh, there's just a lot of dope stuff on there. And then Twitter, the real postman. I've had the same Twitter name since Twitter started. So, (laughs) (laughs) so uh, I think that's different from all my other accounts. And I think, uh, yeah, I don't have any websites up yet. Um, Still waiting on that one. Oh, yeah. And by the way, guys, I'll have his social media in the show notes below. So make sure to go check it out down there. Make sure to go follow him. You know, I've seen a few of his clips on Instagram. The guy's pretty damn talented. So, yeah, y'all might want to check him out. Y'all go check out this guy that y'all are listening to as well, man. He's pretty talented. I actually can't wait to work with him. Uh, You know, so. I want to see some more of your work. Definitely send me some more of your work. Uh, I want to see some of the videos you were telling me about uh, in this podcast. And uh, I think, you know, I'm going to take a look at them and I'm going to shoot you uh, some messages about what I think about them. I'll probably give them a watch tonight, actually. 
Yeah, man. I'm definitely going to link you to all of the short film projects that I worked on my own and then ones that I worked on with my friends. So, yeah, I'll be able to – I'll share those with you, man. But um, Yeah, send me the link. I'll send you a link of some of my stuff because I'm pretty sure – all I have is like clips of my work on on uh, on my Instagram. I want you to kind of see a little bit of what I've done recently. So, yeah, and um, I'm just gonna go ahead and wrap up this podcast and say thank you, Dominique, for taking time out of your day to come on this podcast with me, man. Like it's been a pleasure having this conversation with you, and I appreciate you know taking time out of my day to have this conversation as well. You know, this is definitely time well spent. You definitely dropped some jewels and I've definitely learned a lot from you just by, you know, what you said the far, man. And, you know, I can't wait to work with you either. Yeah. Appreciate it, Evan. Appreciate it. We end this thing, man. Let's just get, let's get some stuff going. I mean, if uh, everything goes well with this film, I'll try to hop you on the next one and we'll, we'll keep it moving forward. All right, man. So peace in and out with the highest vibes, man. And let's connect again soon. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in to this episode. It's highly appreciated. So make sure to subscribe and rate and review this podcast. You know, even if you just write one word, one word, That is highly, highly, highly appreciated, you know, because that helps me get my podcast known out there and I'm able to help serve more and more people with it. And also, you know, I shoot music videos, commercials and narrative films. And I also edit demo reels for directors, cinematographers and actors for a hundred bucks a pop. And I also make customized guided meditation tracks for 50 bucks a pop. So if you're interested in any of those services, make sure to email me at 8millproductions at gmail.com with the number eight, lowercase m-i-l-l-p-r-o-d-u-c-t-i-n-o-s at gmail.com. And I highly, highly, highly appreciate you guys for checking out this podcast and for working for me. And also make sure to donate to the podcast by clicking in the show, clicking the link in the show notes below and also donate to my GoFundMe. It was a pleasure talking to you and peace in and out. And I will see you guys soon.